Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Please, amen. Good to see everybody today. I want to take a look at a story from the Bible in Acts chapter 26. And I'd like to kind of set it up a little bit first if I can. Uh, The Apostle Paul had been jailed. He is standing uh, before King Agrippa, if you're familiar with the story. And he begins to tell his personal story, his testimony. And he begins to talk about how he was raised as a Pharisee. He studied the scriptures from the time he was young. And Paul begins to tell about how he eventually became a persecutor of Christians and how he did everything that he could against the name of Jesus. Then he begins to change the tone of his story and he tells about his conversion experience that he had on the road to Damascus. How many of you are familiar with the story of the Apostle Paul? I mean, it was an amazing story. The personal encounter that he had with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. It was beautiful. It was powerful. And then he wraps it all up by telling how his mission in life was to spread the good news of Jesus. Not persecute or fight the good news of the gospel, but instead now he became one who perpetuated the message of the gospel. And when you read the story, you find that King Agrippa was moved by his testimony. He was challenged by his testimony. And this is where I want to pick it up in Acts chapter 29 and verse 28. I'm sorry, uh, Acts chapter 26 and verse 28. It says, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. He heard all the story. He heard everything leading up. He heard about Paul's testimony. He heard about how he had changed his life. And after all of that, he said, Paul, you know what? You've almost persuaded me to become a Christian. That same verse in the Amplified Bible says it this way. Then Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time and with so little effort, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. He said, you know what, Paul? You you almost got me. In just one meeting and in just one testimony and in one shared experience, here you are. You're, You're telling me about the gospel. And he said, Paul, you've almost persuaded me. So that's what I want to preach about here today. Persuaded. Persuaded. Everybody say persuaded. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share the word of God and to hear the word of God today. I pray, Lord, that you would do your work. You've already met with us once here at nine o'clock in a powerful way. Just do it again, God. Speak to your people. Challenge us in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. name. Amen. Persuaded. The word persuaded comes from the Greek word pytho, which means to convince or to rely by inward certainty, to believe, to have confidence, to trust. 
When I think of the word persuasion, I quickly can get a word picture kind of in my mind. Uh, you can see a person or maybe it's a group of people and they're talking to someone else and they're trying to convince them maybe of a certain position or a certain value or, you know, a certain side of an issue uh, possibly. And they're, they're talking to them about it and they're trying to convince them about it and and they're, they're, they're trying to say, you know, let's come on over to my side. It might be something real serious or it could be something as simple as where are we going to go out to eat? Or, you know, what's your favorite sports team? When you watch the presidential debates, which, thank the Lord, we, don't, we got another year and a half before we have to endure those. Amen? <laughs> when you watch the presidential debates, both candidates are trying to persuade you that their view or their position or their party is going to be the one that's best to lead the country. They're trying to persuade you to one side of the issue or another by their arguments and by their positions. Advertising agencies make billions of dollars every year trying to persuade us to buy certain products. They'll try to convince you, right, of their product's worth and your need for this product uh, in your home. And by the way, folks, they know how to target their audiences. You may not realize this, but the commercials are not just happening by accident. For example, let's, let's say football season, which everybody thank the Lord, football season's only a month away. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? Amen. 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 That's right. Thank you. Amen. The football games, they have lots of what? Pizza ads. <laughs> You're sitting there you're watching football, you're hungry, and all of a sudden, Domino's delivers. Uh, Papa John's. And, and, here, and next thing you know, what, what's the next commercial? It's an ad for soda. Or it's an ad for beer. Every commercial break has an ad for a truck or a car. You want to know why? They know who their target audience is. Young men who love pizza, love beer, Love soda, love pickup trucks, right? They know their demographic. If you watch the news, you watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, guess what? You see a whole bunch of medicine commercials. <laughs> Come on, don't, don't, I hate to tell you. It's medicine commercials. It's commercials about investment funds. It's commercials about retiring. And now they're running, I don't know, they're running all these class action lawsuit commercials. I mean, it's, uh, you watch, go home and watch it. Watch it with, a, with an analytical eye. You know why? They know who their audience is. Right. They know the season of life. They're targeting people like me that have aches and pains in their back. Amen. They're targeting people like me who hope to one day retire with dignity. They're targeting people like me who maybe, whatever, they know their audience. They're trying to, what? Persuade me. Right. Trying to persuade me. Every billboard that you see is trying to persuade you about something. Every radio spot, every TV spot, they're trying to get you to shop at their store or wear their brand of clothes. Even parents, every parent has learned the power of persuasion. If you ever had a little kid living in your house, you knew the power of a popsicle to coerce eating of broccoli. Amen. Amen. You know the power that it takes 
to get a young child to brush their teeth or go to bed. Some call it manipulation. Come on, some call it bribery. I call it good parenting. Amen. <laughs> do what you got to do to get them through that season, right? It's persuasion. And today, although I'm not going to share my personal testimony the way Paul did in Acts 26, I do have an objective to you and to those who might be watching online, either live or maybe at another time. I want to tell you right now, and this is no bait and switch, I've got an objective just like Paul had an objective, amen? If Jesus is not your personal Savior... If he is not the Lord, I'm looking right in the camera. If he is not the Lord of your life, I want to persuade you. You need to accept him. You need to become a Christian. You need to ask Christ into your life. Amen. And if you do know the Lord, I want to prompt you to take the next step and say, I'm going to be a fully persuaded, on fire child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you got to do it. People actually live at different degrees of persuasion. It's reflected by the decisions that we make, by the lifestyle that we live. Some people are fully convinced about certain things. I mean, they're not on the fence. It might be politics. It might be religion. Uh, You'll find people, man, they're just diehard about it. They just, when you see them coming, you want to run the other way. You're like, oh, my Lord, I already know what they're going to talk about. They're going to talk to me about politics, or they're going to talk to me about COVID, or they're going to talk to me about something, and I've heard enough. Amen. They they just try to drown you with their persuasive tendencies. There's others, people, that are on the fence. There, uh, you know, it might be, it might not be. I'm, I'm sort of convinced, but I'm not fully convinced. Then there's other people that they don't believe something, something is true no matter what. There's still people that don't believe we actually landed on the moon. There's some people that still, they've got theories, they've got ideas, and you can't convince them otherwise. But did you know that even in the Bible, it describes people living in varying degrees of commitment? Some who were fully persuaded... Some who were almost persuaded, and then others who were never persuaded. Now, let me just say right up front, many things in life don't matter. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Some things are gray issues. I talked about this a few weeks ago when I talked about unity, amen? Unity does not mean uniformity. We all don't have to have the same opinion about everything. And let me just prove it. Let me just take a non-scientific poll on an issue that does, does not matter. Every time I go to a restaurant, if I'm wanting to get a soda, which I don't drink very many sodas, but when I want one, I want one. You know what my question is? Do you have Coke or Pepsi products? Anybody else ask that question before you buy a soda? All right, so here's the question. How many of you, let me hear from all the Pepsi people in the crowd. All right, man, Pepsi is struggling, amen. Let me hear from all the Coca-Cola people in the crowd. Well, I tell you what, Pepsi better get on the ball, amen. Amen. By the way, I'm a Coca-Cola guy, amen. I'm with the Coca-Cola crowd. How about Hokies or Cavaliers? Right? Doesn't matter. Yankees or Dodgers? Ford, Chevy, or Dodge? It really doesn't matter. Now, we all have preferences, but you know what matters? Four wheels and a motor that runs. That's what matters, right? 
Amen. It really doesn't matter. It's a matter of personal preference. But hear me, and again, I'm looking right into the camera. When it comes to your salvation, when it comes to your eternity, amen, there is only one safe place of persuasion, and that is to be fully persuaded that you're going to live for Jesus with all of your heart. Amen. Advertisers use all kinds of techniques to persuade us. They, they offer a wide range of options that will let you purchase their product with supposed ease. Always beware of those traps, by the way. Amen. No interest for a year. No down payment. They'll even finance it for you if you need them to finance it for you. It's only 18% interest, but hey, who cares, right? But hear me. What I'm offering to you today is the deal of a lifetime. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, it's not going to cost you anything because somebody has already paid for it in full. Hallelujah. Amen. And not only does it come with a guarantee, it comes with an eternal guarantee. It comes with a guarantee that says, I will be with you always. Amen. It comes with a guarantee that says, I will comfort you and strengthen you in this life. When you get God's free gift of salvation and you live for him with a fully persuaded passion, the Bible says that Christ takes away our sins. He helps us to conquer our old nature and he will get you out of any situation that you're in right now in your life. Amen. But hear me, you cannot waver. You cannot vacillate. We've got to take a stand and get in the right place and the right posture of persuasion. So with that in mind, let me share with you three places of persuasion from the Bible. Abraham represents one level of persuasion. Here's what it says about Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Everybody says you got to face the facts. But check this out. The facts did not destroy his faith. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, verse 20, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now check it out. Verse 21, being fully persuaded, hallelujah, that God had power to do what he had promised. Hallelujah. Other versions of the Bible say that he was fully convinced. Paul is telling us in Romans that Abraham was justified with God. By his total belief that God was the right way, the only way, and that God had all power to do everything that he had promised him that he would do. You You see, unfortunately, a lot of people, even believers that say they love the Lord and follow him, we're still more convinced in our own way than in the Lord's way. It's evidenced by how we live our lives or how we walk in faith. Or how we communicate to others. See, people are confused. And sometimes our faith might become weak and we begin to wonder, God, can you come through like you said you would? Even in this situation. Man, imagine being Abraham. 100 years old. 
He had been promised to be the father of many nations, yet he was childless. Amen. Now that is a challenge. I don't know how long you've been praying for your promise, but you ain't been praying as long as Abraham was praying. Come on, somebody. And we need to have faith, and we need to walk in confidence, and we need to not walk in fear or not walk in weakness. I was talking to somebody long ago. I'm not here to indict anybody, but man, they were all panicked about the monkeypox. I was like, man, we just got through two and a half years of COVID, and you're going to talk to me about monkeypox. Amen. You've got to believe either God is in charge or he is not in charge. Come on, somebody. Can I get a little help in this house today? Come on. Either God is our healer or he's not our healer. Either by his stripes we are healed or by his stripes nothing happened. He is in charge. And you've got to not let people. I want to help somebody today. Don't let people who have walked away from God and believed a lie rub off on you. Don't let people that are backslidden or that don't have any faith or that have lost out along the way. Come on, don't let carnal, doubting Christians cause you to lose your confidence in God or lose your confidence in the promises that God has put on your life. Some people, they just have a spiritual gift for catching every negative wave that comes by. Amen. Man, you don't want to ride the surf with those people. Amen. This room right now, you look around. We are a great cloud of witnesses. Woo! Of the saving power of Jesus Christ. Of the healing power of Jesus Christ. Of the delivering power of Jesus Christ. Many of you can stand up right now and say, look what the Lord has done. Come on, we, we used to sing an old song in church that said, he healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise his name. Each day he's still the same. Come help me praise him. Come help me praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, has he done something for anybody in this house today? Is God still on the throne? Are you fully persuaded that he will see you through? Let's give him a praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Abraham was so fully persuaded that when God asked him to do something extremely unorthodox, God asked him to sacrifice his son. You know what? It didn't make any sense to Abraham. But you know what he did? He didn't hesitate. He moved and that God intervened on his behalf. See, Abraham understood that God's way is the only way. God's voice is the only voice that I'm going to listen to. And you know what? When we are fully persuaded, come on, we can never do enough for the Lord. We can never give enough to the Lord. Come on. We can never feel like we can worship him enough or praise him enough. We've got to get to a place where we're like Abraham and live in a face of full persuasion. And the Bible says that God counted it to him for righteousness. Amen. See, the Spirit of the Lord is seeking those who are willing to be fully persuaded to the cause. I'm talking to you believers right now. Those who will embrace his promises in the midst of uncertainty. Those who will plow forward for the kingdom of God regardless of what's going on around us. See, the right level of persuasion is to be fully persuaded. Then there's another place of persuasion and that comes from our text and it's regarding Agrippa. Agrippa was... Almost persuaded. 
See, there's some people like Abraham that are fully persuaded. Then there's others like Agrippa that are almost persuaded. Well, I'm sort of kind of there, but I'm really on the fence. I'm not real sure about this. See, Agrippa was a ruler of the Roman government that was in power during the time of Paul's ministry. And the scripture said in Acts 26 and 28, after Paul had laid it out, had shared the sermon, had told the story, had shared, then Agrippa said in verse 28, he said, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. In the message paraphrase, it says it this way, but Agrippa did answer, keep this up much longer and you'll make a Christian out of me. Amen. He said, Paul, if you keep on talking, you're going to convince me to switch teams and come over to the other side. Now, you got to imagine, he was hearing the testimony of Paul straight out of the mouths of the apostle Paul himself. Paul was a great preacher of truth. He was so moved that the Bible said he was impacted by the words of the apostle. Conviction was upon him. And by the way, that's a word we don't hear a whole lot in church anymore. But we need to get reacquainted with the power of Holy Ghost conviction. Come on, can I get a little help in the house? We need to know what the spirit convicting voice and touch and tap feels like and sounds like. But a grip of conviction was on his heart. Mercy had come to his house that day. But you see, the problem with Agrippa was the same problem I have seen in so many lives. He just shook off the conviction. And as far as we know, he never felt it again. He got close. But he didn't take the next step. Agrippa believed enough about Jesus to wonder and not discredit him, but not enough to take the next step and serve him. Oh, my goodness. And what a tragedy it is to sit in the house of the Lord and to hear the gospel, to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling you that you need to repent and you need to confess and get right with God only to shake it off time after time after time and never get the opportunity again. Uh. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. But so many people won't take that step. Or maybe they confess him as Lord from their mouths, but they don't really love him enough to actually serve him with their hearts. You see, hear me. When you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, you're asking him to be Lord of everything. Come on. Lord of my marriage. Lord of my kids. Lord of my health. Lord of my finances. Come on. Lord of my future. Lord of everything. But Agrippa called Paul back. Read it. Called him back at other times, had him preached to him again, talked to him again. He was almost convinced, almost persuaded. I haven't happened to me often. People might come up and give me a compliment and say, oh, I enjoyed that sermon. Or they'll come up to Lisa or Eddie or members of the band or praise team and say, oh, we enjoyed the music. We enjoyed the worship today. Yet, they never make a move toward God. Come on. The sad thing about being almost persuaded is that it still leaves you totally lost. Come on, I know that might sound harsh, but we need to let that sit in for a minute. Almost persuaded is still all the way lost and undone without God. Being outside the kingdom looking in is still 
being on the outside. John chapter 3, read it. Verses 1 through 5 says, you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. Amen. If you leave today and you've enjoyed this sermon or you enjoyed the praise and worship, maybe you got you a little Holy Ghost goosebump and you go, oh man, I felt a little something in here today. But if you don't give your life to God, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you are in the same predicament that Agrippa was in. Convicted, touched, but lost. Almost persuaded. Nothing is more exhausting and more frustrating than being in a place of indecision. Amen. We used to go out to eat a lot with a couple, some friends of ours. They're no longer part of this church. And we would go out to eat, and it was always funny. It was a joke. Well, any of us that was there, there might, let's say there were eight of us there, and we all knew, and I'm just going to say it's Mika. It's not Mika, but I'm going to use Mika's name to protect the innocent. Amen. <laughs> but we all knew at the table that Mika was going to be the last person to order because she could never make up her mind. Right. And sure enough, every single time, we'd all be going around yeah, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that. I'm gonna have, and we get to, and they get to Mika. And she's like, almost, you can literally almost see her hands from her. And I was like, man, we've eaten here a hundred times. What in the world? And then the waiter would be like, oh, I'll come right back. And the waiter would leave. Come. Then the waiter comes back again. She still had me. said, would you like me to leave? And we're all like, no, don't leave. <laughs> Hover over her. <laughs> Intimidate her. <laughs> Let her feel the pressure and to make up her mind and get off the fence. Just order the fajitas for crying out loud. That's what you always get. Let me order for you. Indecision. It's a place of frustration. Nothing is more exhausting than that. But did you know people will oftentimes sit on a church pew or watch a message online and they're just like the man who was described in the book of James. James chapter 1 verse 6 said, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And verse 8 says, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And I apologize for whatever's happened with the PA. It will be fixed. By next week. Such a person is double-minded and unstable. I pray that double-minded and unstable is not a description of your relationship with Jesus. I pray that double-minded is not a description of how we're approaching serving God. There was an old saying. My dad used to say it all the time. He said, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Close only counts in horseshoes all the time. And did you know there's a lot of people that are riding a church pew all the way to hell? Because they don't know how to make it to an old-fashioned altar of prayer. They don't know how to repent. They don't know how to commit their lives to Christ in a position of full persuasion. I just want to encourage you, don't be like Agrippa. Be like Abraham. Amen. Amen. Get in a place of not almost persuaded, but fully persuaded. 
The position of almost is like the position of being lukewarm. And what did the scripture say that God does with lukewarm people? It says he'll spit them out of his mouth. See, Agrippa could have changed his persuasion from almost to fully, but the Bible never indicates that he did. Now, I hope he did, but the Bible doesn't tell us that he did. Amen? Instead, his life ended in the final position of persuasion that I want to share today, and I'd like to ask the band and the praise team to come. And that's the position of never persuaded. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and he was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham. How ironic. He saw the one who was fully persuaded. He saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham, Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can come over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, well, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. I've got five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But don't miss this. Look. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have already warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead... I mean, let's, let's take this to the next level. Let's, let's make something really wild and crazy. Send them somebody from the dead. Surely then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, look, they won't be persuaded. Even if somebody rises from the dead. And you know how I know that's true? Someone has risen from the dead. And people are still not persuaded. See, this man in this story that Jesus told represents everybody who has died in their sins. They've exhausted every opportunity to know God. And now they're beyond the reach of persuasion. Now, I know this is kind of a Debbie Downer, and I don't like to end this way. I could have put this part in another part of the service. But I wanted it to be right here at the end, and I'm going to tell you why. Because it's actually good news. If you're listening to this sermon, if you're watching online, you have not reached this place yet. Hallelujah.
You've still got a chance. Hell has heard some great sermons. And still it has no chance because they're beyond persuasion. Many people will not be persuaded. And their position is hopeless. And they're going to spend eternity lost without God. All we can do is continue to love them and pray for them and hope that they change their direction. But the sad reality is, is there are going to be some people who are never persuaded. And my prayer is that you would not be one of those people. Every person that is hearing me right now, you still have an opportunity to make some choices that will put you in the right place of persuasion. Maybe you've already accepted the Lord. Maybe you consider yourself a Christian. I just want to speak right now to any believer who maybe there's a little lukewarmness in your life. Maybe a little spiritual apathy. You need to move from a place to a place of full persuasion and obedience. Stop looking in from the outside and being like a grip. Oh, Paul, you almost got me. You almost got me, Paul. But you know what? I'm young. I've still got some wild oats I want to sow. Paul, you, you almost got me, but you know, I, I'm a businessman and, and I'm really trying to get my, my family in the right position. So there's some little, I, I got some dealings I need to do. They're not quite on the up and up, but it'll really posture me down the road. And I'm going to get my stuff straight later, but I just can't do it right now. Paul, Paul, you almost got me, but you know, I'm really not convinced about this whole Jesus thing fully I've still got a few doubts in my mind and I just don't know what to do I just want to challenge every believer be all that God has called you to be be fully persuaded that God's hand is still on your life you might say well man you don't know what I've gone through no I don't know and you don't know what I've gone through but I do know that Jesus has been there with us every step of the way I want you to stand with me all over this house. What we need to do is be like Paul. Here's what Paul said in Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Come on, read it with me. Can you do that? Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's give him a praise for that. Come on. Woo, hallelujah. I persuaded. You know why death can't stop me? Because I'm persuaded. Come on. You know why principalities, nor powers, nor COVID, nor disease, nor sickness, come on. It's not going to stop me. I'm fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded. Setbacks are not going to stop me. I'm fully persuaded. One dream might die, but another one still lives. I'm fully persuaded. Come on. Somebody might fail me. Somebody might stab me in the back, but I'm still persuaded because God is faithful. So my question today is, what place of persuasion are you in? Are you fully persuaded or are you almost persuaded? Because the good news is if you're still breathing, you don't have to go into the category of never persuaded. You can change that today. 
praise team's going to begin to sing, and I'm going to open up this altar. First of all, to those who maybe you haven't stepped across the line. Maybe you've been vacillating. Maybe you've been on the fence. Maybe you just, you know, I'm not sure. I want to challenge you to come up and confess Jesus as your Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Invite Him into your life and begin a brand new journey with Jesus today. Come on. Some of you might be believers and you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come forward and say, God, I want you to baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Empower me. Amen. Change my life. But then I also want to reach for every believer because I'm going to tell you this. Whether you admit it or not, every one of us have an area in our life where we're apathetic and we're lukewarm. Can you say amen? Every one of us, if you search your heart, there's something that you can step just a little bit closer to Jesus concerning. And say, God, that one area that I'm still, I want to be fully persuaded. I want to be fully convinced. I want to be fully submitted to you. Some of you right now, God's got a call on your life. And he's ready to do something great in your life. He's just waiting for you to step across the line and say, God, I'm ready for you to use me. I am all in. I'm all in. So as they begin to sing, I want to open this altar. And I want to ask you to step out from where you are and come down and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to take the next step, whatever it might be, Lord. I'm ready. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come to the altar. That's it. Come on down. That's it. Come on. Yes, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to lay aside anything that's distracting me or holding me back. I'm ready to lay it aside, God. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to commit at a new level, in a new way. Come on. Let this be your testimony. I'm not holding anything back.
Thank you, worship team, uh, for leading us all day today into his presence. And thank you, Pastor, for a wonderful message. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel personally challenged. Uh, but challenge isn't enough. we got to leave here and commit ourselves to making a difference and making it work in our lives. Can you say amen? And so I encourage you, be fully persuaded today uh, that God will lead you and guide you and take care of you and do amazing things in your life if you're committed to him. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today with us. If today was your first time here, uh, please take a moment and fill out a Connect card. You can find those in the seat pocket of the seat in front of where you were sitting. Uh, take a moment, fill that out, drop it into a, a one of our giving centers. Uh, we're not trying to harass you. We just want to be able to connect with you and say thank you for being with us in the house of the Lord today. A uh, couple of quick announcements before we go today. Uh, this week is camp week uh, for all of our students. Uh, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, they'll be going off to student camp. If you uh, have got your kid registered, we're excited for what your kid's going to experience there. If you've yet to do that, uh, make sure you stop by the, the Welcome Center today and take care of that registration so that your children can be a part of a great week of student camp. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and then beginning next Sunday morning, we're starting a three-week series uh, called Hope Dealers. How many of you know that our world is propagating a whole lot of hopelessness of late? And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a, 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 the propagation of hope. Can you say amen? I think we ought to be we ought to be, as the church, we ought to be the most hopeful people in the world. And uh, I think we're going to have a great time here. We're going to inspire faith. We're going to believe God together that we're going to have hope in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So the next three weeks we'll be doing that. And then finally, uh, 
just want to encourage all of you today uh, to remember that God is still on the throne and he is doing amazing things and there's nothing he can't accomplish. Uh, and I encourage you today to be faithful in your giving to the kingdom of God. This is our final act of worship that we do every Sunday. Uh, so I want to encourage you today to take a moment and consider your giving and make sure that you are faithful to the kingdom of God in your giving. We have a program here that we utilize to bless all of our different missions projects called Kingdom Builders. Uh, and if you'd like to give to Kingdom Builders, uh, include that in your uh, tithes and offerings and just designate it as Kingdom Builders. It's a way that we take care of lots of missions projects around our city around our country and even around the world and we're thankful to be able to be investing in other ministries that are making a huge difference and so you can do that by being a part of Kingdom Builders. Uh, three ways you can give here at Life Church: You can give uh, before you leave today by stopping by one of our giving centers. You can give online at liferva.org forward slash give or you can give by texting the word give to the number on the screen. Uh, however you do it, do it with faithfulness and generosity and God honors that so greatly and so I'm thankful thankful to know that we serve a God who is faithful and he honors faithfulness. Can you say amen? Amen. Before we leave, let's pray together one last time. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what we've experienced today. We thank you for your word that has touched our hearts. Not only, Lord, has it touched us, but it's challenged us, God, to leave here different than when we've come and to make an impact in our world. And I ask you, Lord, to let us do it. Let us be faithful to your word and let it prosper in our lives. We, Lord Jesus, ask you to bless this time of giving. Bless every faithful and cheerful giver in the house today. We ask you, Lord, to use what we give, Lord, to bless the kingdom. And we thank you for the opportunity in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. It's been an honor to celebrate Jesus alongside of you. Have a great week.